Hi, and welcome back to the She Built This Podcast. Oh my gosh, get ready. (laughs) Today is going to be a short, sweet, and very fun episode with someone I recently met through a previous guest and fellow writer, Andrea Sandu. My guest today, Amber Petty, and I are going to talk about all things writing, all things writer's block, pitching to publications as a freelance writer, and honestly, even if you're not a writer, even if you don't care about writing, you're going to hear a lot in this episode about being what I think is a good collaborator. And I think it's going to be really, really valuable for you. Um, I will include some extra resources in the show notes about pitching specifically to podcasts. But today we're going to speak specifically to pitching to publications with writing, with articles, with ideas, with stories. Um, And you will hear me get really excited in this one. I pulled out some audio highlights as we were talking because there's some things that we covered that I like really wanted to sink in for you. And I just considered this a wildly successful She Built This Chat. So I want to give a big thank you to Andrea Sandu for this connection with Amber. And before we get into it, um, don't worry, I'm not going to further ado for very long. But I do also want to thank a recent reviewer, Tess Jewel Larson, who says, as an entrepreneur building her own business. I love the insights that Emily and her guests bring. I've learned loads, but I also love listening to the conversations while I'm on a walk. It feels like you're right there in the room, listening to friends chat about beneficial information that also helps your own business. Thank you, Tess. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I think you're going to feel that way about this week's episode too. And for those of you listening, um, I know I've said it once, I've said it a million times, but I'm going to say it again and ask again. I always, always welcome your reviews and all you have to do to write one and possibly get it read on the show if it's loving and nice and kind um, is just go to that Apple podcast app and you can write a review right on there. And of course, I I always prefer five stars. uh, So if you feel so inclined, Um, I am so super interested and fascinated by today's guest specifically, in case you're not familiar, in case you're a first time listener and you don't know who I am yet. I don't usually talk this fast. No, I do. I do. I always talk this fast. Um, I'm Emily Aborn, and I'm actually a writer too, in addition to being the host of this podcast and the Content with Character podcast. I am a content copywriter, and I work with women entrepreneurs to help them with their content and with their copy. And I really walked away from this conversation because I have pitched to publications in the past, um, and interested in doing so in the future. I really walked away from this conversation with Amber inspired and just like jazzed about all of the possibilities and all of the opportunities that are out there. So without further ado, let me tell you about Amber. Amber Petty helps creatives to get bylines and build audiences. After acting for 13 years and getting tired of waiting to audition for roles, Amber moved into freelance writing where she worked with the New York Times, Parade, Bustle, and a lot more many of which you will recognize. Um, For the past two and a half years, Amber has helped 916 students to get bylines, start writing for money, and begin newsletters to build a platform for their writing career. I think you are going to love today's episode, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Enjoy. Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. 
Hi, Amber, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Yay. Hello, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. I love how we connected through a mutual friend. Like that is my favorite way to meet podcast guests. And then I can get all like curious about who you are and what you do and go down this little rabbit trail of visiting you on your website. But what I didn't learn and what I'm curious to hear and where I want to start with you, like I read your bio, I read all your information, but I want to hear a little bit more about like how you got started as a writer and maybe a little bit more about your entrepreneurial journey. Like what made you decide to dive into the world of freelance writer and do you ever want to swim out? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I tell people that freelance writing was so much more stable than uh, what I was coming from, people are like, what? That's that's the that's never been said before, because uh, I came from uh, an acting background. So, so to me, freelance writing was like, oh wow, people are so much more responsive and nice, and uh, you get paid so much more often. So I think I'm the only person in the world who probably thinks that about freelance writing. But that can just tell you a little bit about what the acting world is like. Uh, but yeah, so I start. I mean, like I wrote things as, as a kid, you know, I was going to be an actor and a children's book author. You know, that was my plan from second grade. So I let that author part of it go, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, was acting in New York and stuff like that. And I would write sketch shows or things like that periodically, but I didn't really think about writing in any kind of money-making way at all. So when I moved to LA from New York, I didn't want to just have another, uh, you know, bartending in a theater job like I had or another job that would kind of keep pulling me away from things. And I just wanted to do something that felt like it was using some of my creative talents as opposed to just biding time until some creative thing came along. So I started, uh, so yeah, I started freelance writing. I started by um, asking around. I did know some people who had done it before. And so I asked around for them. They introduced me to uh, some people. So I got a couple of small writing jobs for that. Uh, The first stuff I got, I just applied for on Craigslist, you know, and, and got a job writing descriptions for knitting patterns, you know, things like that. And, uh, and then I found as I kept getting more work that even though half the time I was writing you know, just like 10 things to bring to the summer, summer picnic, you know, like nothing life-changing. It still felt really satisfying to actually write and complete something and have your name on it and get paid, whether it was a tiny amount or a more reasonable amount. So I, so I found that, yeah, my whole life of wanting to be an actor Uh, Also didn't include wanting to just wait for every opportunity to come by. And that's a lot of what happens in that world. So this fact, this idea that I could reach out for my own jobs and pitch things. And yes, I had to wait for people to say yes, but a lot more of it was in my own control. And that kind of satisfaction was very uh, appealing to me. And so that's when I did jump into that full time and, um, And yeah, there's certainly been times where I've wanted to swim out. I got full-time copywriting jobs a couple of times because I needed a break from the inconsistency, but I've never wanted to like get out of writing completely. But yeah, there's always ups and downs and moments where you're just like, oh, couldn't I have chosen something easier? But I don't know. There's not, 
nothing is really that stable in the job market. And it's so true, whether you work for yourself or for somebody else, I would say that is so true. So one funny thing is, and I don't know if you feel this too, but I often feel when I'm writing for somebody else that I am acting, right? Like I kind of get to tap into that other personality or that like, sometimes it's an entire personality. Sometimes it's just like a different way for your brain to be used. So we, you really still are using those acting skills, I think as a writer. So that's fun. Yeah, it's really true. And, uh, and I do think that's where people, whether you're an actor or just a creative person of any kind, I think it's so easy to think that all of those skills are useless, you know, because we're often like told (laughs) that artistic careers uh, aren't real skills or whatever. But if you come from any creative background, especially going into writing, you already have so many of the things you need to have in order to be successful. It's just like learning a couple new things. Um, So yeah. Um, okay. So talk to me about like, so what, what I think sets you and I apart a little bit is that not only do you freelance write yourself, but you also teach other people how to do it and you teach other people how to pitch to publications. So describe to me a little bit about the way that you work now and how you are not just like building your own business, but also helping others to build theirs. Yeah. So I started doing that in the pandemic and at first it was just again, like I had more performer friends and they had no side jobs or acting jobs anymore. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about options you could have. And from there, just developed freelance writing courses and and pitching and things like that. So uh, I think that people assume that pitching publications is something you can't do unless you're a certain level of writer, uh, you're a certain amount of fanciness or have a journalism degree. And that's not true. I mean, I didn't know that when I started. That's why I was going on Craigslist to get jobs. Uh, but mm. anybody can actually pitch any publication. And sure, if you're doing a huge reported piece for the New York Times, they're probably not going to take somebody with no samples. But I have had somebody write uh, an essay and that was the first thing they'd written and it got published in the New York Times. Or the first thing that got published was an essay for a publication called The Girlfriend, which is from the AARP, but it paid $500 and it was literally the first pitch she sent out. It was funny. I don't, this isn't what always happens. Like, let me be clear, but my first student I worked with, her first pitch got picked up. The listeners can't see me right now, but like my jaw (laughs) has dropped and Amber's like, no, 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 don't get your hopes up. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want anybody to think that's the norm by any means, but it, anything it's like anything can happen with it are you going to get a lot of no's and people not getting back to you of course but you are also going to get yeses if you keep trying and the bar to entry isn't it's not really guided by even your background necessarily or having a million bylines it's really a do you have an interesting story is it something that's applicable or actionable to their readers and can you convey that in the pitch, what's interesting and applicable about it. And if you can do those things, I found that your background a lot of the time is less important than the actual story idea itself. All right. So my listeners are quite used to me talking about visibility. And it sounds like this is a really great way to increase your visibility. Um, They're also very 
well acquainted with me talking about pitching to podcasters because uh that is like like first of all that's my soapbox and I'm gonna keep it tucked away I'm not gonna roll it out (laughs) but I want to hear from a publication standpoint like what makes a good pitch to a publication and then also I'm notorious for asking two questions in one how do you find these publications that you're pitching to Totally. So with, uh, in a good pitch, what you want to do is like the very basics of it, or you want to answer, uh, three-ish questions. You want to answer why, uh, is this story? What is the story specifically? What is the angle? And I'll talk about angle in a second. What is the angle? Um, why is this story important right now? And why are you the person to write it? And I'd also add a little bit to that of, and why would readers care? Hmm. Um, so with that, the angle, and this surprises people, but editors get all kinds of pitches that are just like, Hey, mission impossible, dead reckoning part one's coming out. Can I write about it? (laughs) It's like, okay, that's not a story idea. That's sounds like the podcast bitch I got in my DMS (laughs) this morning. No joke. (laughs) Oh, Emily, do you, Emily, do you have a podcast? And I reply, yes. And they said, can I be a guest? I was like, no. (laughs) Yeah. See the correlation here. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think most of what I'll say will, will correspond it probably exactly (laughs) with, with yours. Uh, And so, so the angles, you want an angle and that's where you can get specific. So one of the things that can be a little harder for freelancer is you do see lots of articles that are, you know, 10 ways to organize things for summer, 10, you know, kind of like generic topics. There's still tons of those out there. That doesn't mean you can't pitch a 10 things or pitch a list or something like that. You just want to make it more specific because those things are written by staff writers. You're going to bring something that they didn't think of necessarily, or that you are putting in a way that's slightly different. That doesn't mean you have to break the mold and think of the most unique thing in the world, but just the difference between, oh, pitching drinks for summer versus the five best canned wines for summer was enough for that pitch I did a long time ago to get through because it was specifically canned wine, specific for a season in the season that's applicable. And there weren't as many things written about canned wines <laughs> specifically at the time. So that's what I mean of, is that like a brilliantly unique idea? No, but it's just a bit more specific. If you're pitching something that's an essay or something like that, it's going to probably naturally be more specific because it's your own story. And with that, you just want to think of like, what is, what is the story really about? How is it? And a little bit of that. And why would readers care? Not in a mean way, like who cares about this, but no, like what would interest them about it? What about that story is specific in the interesting things you're going to share, but then also a little bit universal in what people can relate to. So that student who got into the New York Times, she wrote about inheriting her mother's clothes after her mother died. So she could have just sent something that was like, oh, dealing with grief after your mom died. Mm -hmm. And then that wouldn't have gone anywhere because yes, that that's going to happen to almost everybody, but that's really vague. But by going in and just talking about the process of inheriting those clothes, trying them on and what you did with them, you, I may not ever experience that exact situation, but now through those specifics, I actually see the picture so much clearer 
and can relate to that overall message so much more. Yeah, so I, I 100% angle. echo that as as with anything we include the details of yeah. specific, specifics make it universal, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Which that is not my original quote. Somebody said that before me and I don't know who. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Uh, so that is absolutely true. And then, so the other questions, why is it applicable right now? This is a great one to answer. Try to make it applicable right now <laughs> if mm. you can. So sometimes, you know, it's an evergreen story, a story that could go anytime. And that doesn't mean it's bad, but even just mentioning, Hey, this is actually kind of part of something that's trending on TikTok, or people are talking about it, or it's kind of related to the season or just anything to show that this is something people are interested in right now is great. Or if you can hook it to something, that's great too. So like if you had a story about playing with dolls, brought you closer together with your sister or something like that, even though maybe that's not about Barbie at all, you could still kind of hook that to the Barbie movie, you know, if that were coming out soon, you know, that's something people are talking about at this very moment now. And so you don't even have to make it all about Barbies. You could possibly not even have a Barbie in the story, but still that idea of like, oh, our childhood toys and playing with them does relate to Barbie. People are searching for that. And that's a way to, to, you know, that's a way to make your story timely when otherwise it wouldn't be. Got it. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> and then details, why but... would readers care? How do we, yeah, this is one thing I hear a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, and I'm not talking about just pitching. I'm talking about yeah. when they're sitting down to write their own content. Like how do we make somebody else care? How do we know what they care about so that we can speak to it? Absolutely. And it is tricky, you know, and sometimes we do it right. And sometimes we do it wrong. So part of it is just making it slightly less about you, which can feel weird. So it's, you're both making it about you and not making it about you. So part of it is people also get scared because they're like, I don't want to pitch a story. It feels so weird of like, Hey, here's a story. That's so good. You should pay me for it. Money, please. You know, people kind of feel that way and it makes it hard to pitch when you think instead of like, I'm just delivering a potential story that could do this, this, and this for readers, it takes that pressure off yourself. And it also puts the focus on the reader, uh, which is what is required. So I find a lot of the time we end up talking about a lot, uh, people talk a lot in pitches on how they came up with the idea, how they found it, how they feel about it, that kind of stuff. Now that can be funny and cool, but half the time it's like, oops, cut this all out. <laughs> like we don't need to know how you found out about the idea. We don't need to do any of that. Um, instead, it's just, okay, like what is applicable? What's, what is universal about this? And I think instead of thinking of, well, one, you cared about it. You're a reader of some kind. So the likelihood that somebody else is interested is pretty high. A simple thing you can do is like look for statistics, which can sound weird sometimes, but if you're, you know, I'll see a lot of things where like depression is on the rise and so blah, blah, blah can help fix that. And obviously it's very vague, but I'll see like depression is on the rise. Something's on the rise. People are doing more of this, those kind of vague terms. Look for a statistic because a mm. lot of times you can find an actual statistic that says, oh my God, actually depression in young people under 20 has gone up 55%. Now I made that up right now, but like putting in those 
actual statistics, usually it'll surprise yourself. <laughs> and it shows the editor, you've done a little research. They now have a concrete thing to look at. And that's showing, hey, people, this is affecting people. It's a very concrete way to show that. Um, now, again, that's not always applicable, but that's where you can find things like this is a trend on social media. This has popped up. You can find those kind of trends or quotes or things like that. Uh, you could see if books have been published about it recently or uh, TV shows are talking about a certain subject more. Thinking of those kind of external, it's kind of like, I mean, looking for external validation in a lot of ways is bad, but in this case, it's good. Look for those external markers that this idea is a little bit applicable for what you're talking about. A, a sticky idea. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, first of all, I love when my podcast guests agree with all the things that I'm always saying, which is like, don't make <laughs> it, you know, don't make it about you. It is about the bridge. It's about the connection. Mm -hmm. And another thing I love that I just wanted to bring out that you said was when we are pitching or asking for money or getting people to be part of our groups, whatever you're selling, whatever you're offering and getting money back for, it is a win, 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 right? Like it is mm -hmm. a win for you. It is a win for them. And then on, on this, in this instance, it's a win for the readers, right? So yeah. it is a triple win, knock it out of the park. If you do your job and, and focus on pitching. Well, one question I had for you, yeah. was, um, do you ever have to do this for free? Like, is there a certain amount of time where you have to do this with no pay? And then like, what is kind of the range of what you can expect from publications? And then don't let me forget yeah. this question of how do you find the publications to pitch? Oh, yes. How do okay. you find them? Totally. So, um, so what do you do for free? So for pitches, like we're tech, we're pitching for free. So you're not paid to pitch unless you're in a staff job where maybe that's part of it. So the pitch is going to be a free reach out. The good news is that a pitch is like, it should be the meat of the pitch should be like two to three paragraphs maximum. You don't want it to be longer than that. So the pitch is a free thing, but just like an LOI would be a free thing. Just like we wouldn't expect to, um, somebody to pay us to pitch a podcast, you know, or like, like send them a client proposal. Yeah. My, or like my client proposal job. is actually $500. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be great, but Agreed. I don't know if it'd work out in the end, but so that's for free. The good news also is that pitches are reusable. So if somebody says no to a pitch or you don't hear back after a certain period of time, you can use that somewhere else. I've had people sometimes pitch something 16 times and then it got picked up and did great for that publication. So yeah, every once in a while you get a pitch you can't reuse, but the good news is most of the time you can with tiny tweaks, just give it a try somewhere else. So it is free work, but it's at least a little more usable. If you're a business owner, even if it doesn't get picked up, then that's a blog post, that's an email, that's a podcast, that could be a pitch for a podcast instead. Like it's very, very reusable content, but it is free. Um, now, usually for most things, you just pitch and you only write the story when they pay you. Mm -hmm. uh, the only exception to that are op-eds. A lot of times op-eds, they want to see the whole thing. They're usually about 800 words. So that you'd write the thing for free and just pitch it until it gets picked up. Also, personal essays are often like that too. So that's, if you see something, you know, something like modern love is a huge example, but those kind of personal essays, often they want to see the whole thing. 
And then, uh, so you'd have to write that for free and then get paid if they pick it up. Everything else, every other type of story, you don't write anything until they have agreed to pay you. So I also love that. <laughs> so there's a lot less free work than, uh, than other things, even when it comes to like content writing for clients, I've found there's a lot less free work in, um, in pitching to publications. So the range is all over the place. It can kind of be everywhere from, I'd say like McSweeney's pays $30. That's a comedy site. <laughs> it can get you good exposure sometimes, but it pays $30. That's a kind of satire comedy thing separate deal. That's to the, like the lower end of stuff my students have pitched. And then it can go up to, I have had one, another, another great one. Like this wasn't her first pitch ever. She had a few, but the first paid story she got, uh, was for $1,200 for a Texas, a big Texas newspaper. <laughs> so she, so like 12 to $1,400 has been the highest. I tend to see things in the 300 to 500, 600 range the most. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the, awesome. Long... That's, a, that's a great answer. And then how do you kind of find the publications that you are pitching to? You mentioned McSweeney's you're mentioning a lot that I've never even heard of, to be honest. So oh, sure. I'm, yeah, well, there's a ton. I mean, there's like so many publications. So start with the things, you know, that you just hadn't thought of. So it can be, and don't worry if they're, they're big places. If it's Washington Post, New York Times, whatever, go to your in, uh, your internet history and see where you've read. Sometimes we'll be on Facebook or something and just click a link, click a link, click a link, and not even realize like where we're reading. So go through there just to see some publications. Um, you can do a silly thing of just take your niche and then Google that niche plus magazine and you will be surprised how often you find things. Uh, one other thing to do is take an idea you have more in the, that's where you don't need to get a specific, kind of take a general idea or maybe even just a topic you're interested in writing about. Google that topic and see who's writing about it. That might not be a good place for you to pitch that particular idea right now, but that's going to show you places that are thinking of things kind of in similar ways that you are. And then the last one is I do also have a big list of 250 places that's free and you can get that. Uh, it's amberpetty.com slash 250. So it's not every place on earth, of course, but at least it's a nice kind of starting point, save you a little bit of Googling time. <laughs> I'm going to make at sure least. that that's in the show notes um, for sure. And I'm also going to give you an opportunity to share anything else too that you want. Um sure. I would love to hear. Okay. So are you ready for like my story? You, thank you. You oh, were yeah. like very, very generous with your information. And I just want oh, to, I want to actually put a verbal highlight on this so that people can hear <laughs> this because so often when we go on to be a guest or when we give information in writing, we hold back a little bit because we don't want to be, you know, we don't want to give it all away, right? We don't want to give all the information away. And what I want to highlight is that by you being so gracious and generous with your information, information. It's not going to stop anyone from working with you, A. And B, it paints you as a real expert. Like I know that you know your stuff because of how eloquently and thoroughly you can speak about it. So I just like to put whenever these things pop up, when these like big concepts pop up, I like to put little audio highlights in it so people can like really let it all sink in and see an example of what somebody else is doing really, really well. 
So thank you. (laughs) uh, Okay. Now time for my fun questions. Yeah. Um, Do you ever hit a writer's block and what do you do about it? Sure. I mean, I don't know if somebody says they never get writer's block. I'm like, uh, I think you're alive to me or (laughs) you're Stephen King. Um, so, uh, so for writer's block, yeah, I get more, um, I get like a starting block. And so I do that where I get, um, where I'll have ideas or think of ideas and then go, oh, that's going to take too much time. Or, oh, is that a good idea? Or, oh, I think that's actually stupid or nobody's going to want that. It's kind of all that kind of stuff just, um, creeps up on me and, and stops me from wanting to do something. So when that happens, what I'll try to do is, one is I'll like use a timer because usually my idea of how much time it's going to take and what it actually takes is wildly different. Also, it's a way to just trick me into starting because usually beginning and continuing isn't hard. It's that I've manufactured all these reasons why that have made it hard. So set a timer. And then if you legitimately do only have 15 minutes, you're not going to spend more time, but those 15 minutes will be worth it. Mm. Um, You can get a surprising amount done. And then the difference of starting from that 15 minute place the next day or whatever is radically different because now you have a little bit of something and a little momentum and it's easier. Uh, When I sometimes have writer's block, when I'm going through something, um, I really just try to, I just kind of like keep the pen moving metaphorically. Like, I'm just like, you know what? This isn't the time (laughs) and I won't make corrections unless they're tiny things or things I just want to change. I'm like, this is not the time for that. And my brain might, I need to, might means to tell my brain multiple times, Hey, I'm not editing right now. Okay. But actually, why don't you change everything? Okay. Thank you. I'm not doing that right now. And I, just focus on getting it out. I kind of like to call it a fast draft. People will call it a vomit draft. People have called it lots of things. I kind of like calling it a fast draft because, you know, there's still a part of me that's like, I don't really want to make a vomit draft. Right. right. <laughs> you know, even though the point of that is perfect, but I'm like, oh, a fast one that I can do. And I can kind of outrun my, my critics sometimes. Uh, so yeah, those are a couple things. Those are great tips. Um, and I think that the timer one is really, really great. And I also think like that sometimes just that pressure can make mm-hmm. like for me, there's a lot of like creative pressure that gets built up if I don't have like this whole long stretch of time. So like if I'm mm-hmm. just working to a 15 minute timer then I'm like, oh, it just all starts flooding in and I can like jot down ideas underneath whatever 15 minutes I hashed out and come back to it tomorrow. Like you said. Yeah. Um, all right. My next fun ish question is what is the best writing book or resource that you found along the way? A lot of people listening want to be better writers, improve their writing, sure. are interested in writing, but kind of just, you know, peeking a little toe in there. So what's your favorite resource for that? Yeah, let's see. Uh, I do actually really like speaking of Stephen King. Uh, Stephen King's on writing is a really good book. It's really good. It's really interesting. And it's not just applicable for fiction. I would say it's, um, I would say it's good for all 
writers. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> think it's good for, for sure. life. Like it is like, yeah. a life. so let's, there's a story in that book where he talks about pitching his, um, I think manuscripts, I think they were like actually finished mm-hmm. manuscripts and he would pitch them to places. And for every rejection he got, he would nail it on the wall. Mm-hmm. And the fun part of the story is that the nail, like for all the rejections, it got so so many that the nail couldn't fit those rejections anymore. And he had to get like something bigger, like in my head, Mm -hmm. I picture like a railroad spike or something Yeah, (laughs) full of all of these rejections, but it's just a good reminder to all of us, no matter what we're doing to just keep on going. And when you get a no, you try again someplace else, you try again later, you know, it's like just this reminder. So love that Mm -hmm. book. Fantastic resource. My friend was just at his house yesterday and sent me a picture (laughs) like in front of his house. I know. So that's timely. Um, And I will make sure that the link to that is in the show notes. And who is your favorite author on that same kind of vein? Ooh, I love, um, it's not nonfiction, but I love um, Tana French. She writes, um, uh, what are they called? The Dublin, they're called like the Dublin murder series, but they're, um, it's like not typical kind of crime fiction, but there are these mystery stories that are very, I don't know, they're just very complex and fascinating. I really love how she paints the characters and paints Dublin. Uh, she talks about rain very eloquently. I grew up in Washington State and live in LA now. So I'm always like, rain, I miss you. So I love that. Um, I just love, like, I book. So if you kind of like Mr. These are a little, yeah, they're like, I don't mean to say elevated. I like all kinds of thrillers and mysteries, but it's kind of like a literary thing, but with a little more plot, a little more structure, which I really love. Okay. Awesome. Um, And then why don't you share how to find and connect with you online? And then like anything of your own resources that you want to direct people to, like if they do want that 250 places list, if they want to hear your podcast, just like whatever you want to share. Yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, So yeah, you can find me at amberpetty.com. You can find me on Instagram at amberpetty. I'm there as consistently as I want to be, but I'm around sometimes. Uh, you can find me there. Uh, my podcast is Don't Wait to Write. You can find that on the podcast places. Uh, it does have, it's it's on a little bit of a summer hiatus, but there's lots of episodes and it will be back very soon. It also gives five minute exercises. So if you want just quick writing prompts, and then I give actual five minutes within the podcast to do them, uh, it is kind of a little relaxing, a nice way to get a little bit of that into your life without too much. And uh, yeah, if you want that 250 list, which I highly recommend, totally free, uh, that is amberpetty.com slash 250. And then you'll also get on my newsletter list where I send out writing jobs every week and give out tips. And I do also then promote my courses and stuff, of course, but there's all kinds of stuff there too. Awesome. Amber, thanks so much for being my guest. I'm so happy we connected and really, really appreciate you. Thank you so much. This was so fun. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.